0: In today's episode, I got to reconnect with Austin Yang, Senior Product Manager at LandBot. Before LandBot, Austin was a Growth PM Include. I first connected with Austin when I was making the transition from Core PM to Growth PM, and his insights and advice were super helpful for me as I made the switch. So I'm stoked to have Austin on the podcast to share with all of you his perspective on discovery and how it differs from Core to Growth PM. This is Less Than Product Management. Let's get started. Hey Austin, awesome. welcome to the podcast. Hey John, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to jump into this. Uh, re- really excited to get your your perspective um, from from like a growth PM's point of view on discovery. But before we get there, could, could you get the give the audience uh, a, an introduction of, of yourself and a brief background?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I uh, actually started my career in sales. Uh, my first job was at a B2B SaaS company. Uh, I was a SDR. Uh, I was doing pretty well. Uh, at the time, I didn't really know what uh, product what a product manager is. Uh, I was just really excited whenever I talked to a customer. And you know, uh, I, I love coming up with ideas on how we can improve our product and uh, really hearing them, seeing the value of the product. So later I learned that's what a product manager does. Uh, and at our company, it was called Program Manager, but uh, in reality, they are the, the real product manager. So uh, that's how I got intrigued. And uh, Later on, I joined a, uh, uh, a mentorship platform for uh, developers. Uh, and uh, uh, I was working on a product uh, that connects developer with uh, companies who want to hire them on a freelance basis. Uh, with another teammate almost from the ground up and that's how i officially transitioned into the product manager role Uh, later on i joined a uh, a travel company uh, a pretty large uh, a unicorn company in hong kong called kluk Uh, i was a growth pm there uh, and now i'm uh, working at Lambot, it's a no-code chatbot platform as a senior product
0: manager cool so so quite quite a diverse background which is awesome Mm -hmm. Well, cool. So, so diving into it, I know you have more than just this growth PM experience, uh, but, but I am really interested to kind of tap into your experience there. But um, feel free to speak generally, holistically, or specifically as you'd like. I just want to understand, like if somebody said, hey, Austin, what, what's your philosophy on discovery? Like, what, what would your answer be?
1: Yeah, so I would say uh, my philosophy on discovery in general is that you kind of have to see everything. Right, um, A lot of people, uh, when they think of discovery, uh, they they hold this belief that oh, we have to talk to customer. Uh, and talking here, they um, it's very narrowly defined as actually doing a, a user interview. I mean, user interviews are great, uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but in reality, I think everyone who's in product knows that they're very time-consuming. And then they also uh, have some... Uh, uh, Drawbacks. Like for example, you're talking to, let's say at most maybe 10 users a week, that's uh, assuming you don't do any other work. Uh, uh, and those might not be representative of your whole customer base, right? Maybe they're, t- they're talking to you because they are already very interested in your product and you don't really capture those who uh, can, like you, you're actually targeting, but don't get, uh, they don't see the value of the product for one reason or another. Um, that's why you really have to combine all sorts of uh, uh, discovery uh, method, uh, user research method, from looking at data uh, with the internal tool, uh, from doing survey, uh, or from uh, or other 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 methods. Uh, one one method I really like, which I don't think is talked about enough, is to just uh, figure out who your target customers, uh, target audience are and you go to where they hang out, like online communities, for example, and you really observe what they talk about, uh, what they pay attention to, uh, what what they get motivated by. Uh, And all these these methods uh, have to be combined together. And uh, depending on your context, you would uh, have to develop a balance. Like maybe if you're in B2C, you focus more on the quantitative data, and then you spend maybe 20% time on the qualitative stuff to understand why. Um, and maybe for B2B, uh, obviously, you don't have enough traffic to even run A B test. Then you have to focus more on um, user research, have more in depth to understand the why uh, to, to build your product. Yeah. So overall, I would say it really depends on the context, but you cannot neglect one method. Uh, uh, like uh, or just like complete focus on just one
0: method altogether. Yeah, it's it's almost like a, a toolkit, like or like a tool belt with multiple tools to pull from. And I, I love that you mentioned um Going where your your customers or users are, right? There's like Facebook groups for everything. There's Quora. There's Reddit. There's like there's so many online communities or places where people are asking questions or complaining about about <laughs> certain things that you can get you could draw a lot of insights from those places. But I, I am I am curious to press on something you said a second ago about like at Max, and I think it's true, right? At Max, you might get like ten user interviews, and it might not be representative. Um, and I know like Teresa Torres talks about continuous discovery habits and just like just building a muscle of talking to customers. Um and, and I I loved her book, but I, I do think there's potentially room for getting more focused on who you talk to in those like continuous interview settings. So I'm curious from your perspective. Have have you have you tried different techniques or methods to overcome that that representation issue by like targeting specific types of users? Or, or like themes within the research. Yeah, so uh, your question is whether
1: uh, uh, I, whether I know the people I talk to are actually uh, representative of my of our like ICP or persona. Is that what you're asking?
0: Yeah, e- either the, the ICP, like the, the ideal customer profile or um, like if there's a, a particular problem or topic that you're trying to learn more about from mm-hmm. your customer base, Uh, Like, do do you try to, like, do you have a way to segment that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think
0: generally speaking,
1: uh, when when I do these types of uh, research, I can divide it into whether I want to have a specific topic in mind or I just want to do something more like a general uh, exploration. Uh, And then if I'm doing a lot of general exploration, usually it, it might be good to actually not purposely uh, filter uh, your audience because maybe you'll find out something that you didn't know before. Uh, but uh, I would say probably, it's it's probably not if you are beyond, if you have reached uh, product market fit, that's probably not what you should spend most of your time on, maybe 20%. But 80% of the time, you're probably trying to understand uh, you know, a specific, topic or a, seg- a specific group of user that you already identified based on your current knowledge, uh, your internal data, let uh, say, if, for example, you know they are uh, your, your core users or adjacent users uh, and then you go after them. That makes things more efficient. Uh, you don't spend like six months talking to people. Uh, you don't really know whether they should be your customers or not,
0: yeah. Totally. Yeah, and I'm sure it's different in B2C, but I know like in B2B settings, <clears throat> like in some of the, the studying I've done in user research, they, there's, uh, there's philosophy, so like philosophical beliefs, I guess is a better way to put it around like segmenting users by market segments or market needs and stuff like that. And, um, you anyway, know, it's just, it's, it's interesting to, to hear different people's approaches to like how to, how to make user research or those one-to-one interviews more impactful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So one thing that I always keep in mind is that uh, so, for example, currently at Lemba, we do have a, uh, a feedback bot that kind of we kind of <laughs> dog food our own product for that purpose. We let users easily submit any like uh, uh, feedback about the product, feature request. Uh, but uh, I'm always trying to remind the team that uh, a lot of times you you hear from uh, like these people who. Leave their feedback are already like power users, like uh, or maybe they are they complain about something, but th- maybe they are just the, the vocal minority, uh, or maybe they're not. Uh, but you just have to keep that in mind and don't get too uh, uh, don't don't focus too much and forget about you know looking at the whole picture.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So kind of narrowing in on the conversation to to growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does your philosophy on research change as a growth PM as opposed to like a core PM or platform or or any other type? Yeah, I would say so a little bit. Um, So uh, first of all,
1: I think uh, uh, growth PM is still very vaguely defined. I think uh, almost every company uh, defines it differently. Uh, the, the role product manager itself is already super vague. So, growth PM is like uh, every company uh, does it differently. So, I think my own definition is that growth PM usually focuses more on the business growth. Uh, and then, usually, the approach to building product is a little bit more. Uh, quantitative uh through experimentation uh more scientific research uh as opposed to uh you know the more traditional method uh, right and but i think uh i sometimes feel like maybe there's no real distinction because at the end of the day a pn that does his his or her job really well are really taking the same approach right like growth pn don't just artificially push uh monetization uh, uh like short-term short-term gain they actually they know that for the product to have long-term growth you need to offer value because you can never capture more value than the ones you generate for the customers um so yeah but uh back to your question i think uh, as a growth PM, my focus would be more about uh drawing out the the angles should be on company growth. Uh, and when uh, yeah, when I do discovery as a growth PN, a lot of it is focused on what users do. Uh, because uh, one of the things I was keeping in mind is that what users tell you, what users say, doesn't mean they'll, they'll do the same thing. Like uh, what users do doesn't represent what users say. Uh, this is often the case. So. Uh, Everything we do, uh, usually at the end of the day, I try to validate it with an A-B test or some sort of experiment to make sure that whatever hypothesis we have actually work and actually translate into business value. Uh, I think that's uh, one of the fundamental uh, differences compared to uh, where
0: growth PM might do things differently
1: compared to a, a core feature
0: PM. Uh, it's a good point. And I think a lot of a lot of what I hear about uh, growth product management and when, when I was working on making the transition into the role from core PM work was around those topics of like experimentation, A-B testing, optimization, monetization, all that stuff, right? But it, it felt more like it was geared towards, here's the customers that we're going after today, that we're serving today, and let's optimize for some part of the funnel as it relates to current state. And I'm curious if if you've seen growth, like the, the scope of growth go beyond that. Um, and if not, if it should, and regarding like new markets, right? So let's say there's mm-hmm. hypothetically 10 market segments in the total market you're trying to serve. Today so mm-hmm. hey, you successfully serve two of those. Well, there's eight market segments you're not serving today. So at mm-hmm. what point are there diminishing returns on the optimization efforts you're doing for those two segments and like, should we be looking for indicators of expansion into new segments? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think the uh, I think what you're referring
1: to is called PMF uh, expansion. That you know you, you actually want to kind of target new users or adjacent uh, use case that you're not offering today. Uh, I've seen companies that actually have a specific team for that, but usually they're very mature uh, product organizations. But I think uh, a lot of times growth PMs uh, or even uh, core PM would would both be in charge of that. So when I was at Kluk, uh, that would actually fall under uh, us. Uh, Like, for example, we would actually be looking at uh, new technology that Google, Facebook offers uh, as a way to uh, see whether we can use the technology to to have like big bets uh, on the company growth, uh, right? I guess not necessarily tapping into new markets, but those would be the things that that we do. We also would hire uh, new teams just to go after new verticals. Like we started off as a kind of travel activity booking platform, and then we later later, uh, expanded into uh, local food and beverage uh, or train tickets, uh, even like hotels, Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting, because uh, to me, expansion into new markets, in my mind, would, would fall under growth. But it sounds like there could even be another specialization of PM that's mm-hmm. that's focused on expansion opportunities. Never mm-hmm. thought of it that way. But I, I know uh, Reforge recently posted a, an article about the different specializations of PMs, and I don't think that was one of them. So maybe, maybe there needs to be another one added.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, it really depends on the company and the the, the strategy. Uh, yeah, I think it's very hard because you never know. Um, it's almost like almost like a, a like the best guess, right? How how much more you can like win within the existing market, uh, and like when should you be exploring new opportunities? Uh, I think always like the 80 20 rule is, always applies. You always have to have. I always be looking at new thing that's happening, but you also want to be somewhat focused that, right? You don't want to always be, you know, you don't, uh, what it do you call shiny object syndrome. You don't want to, you know, go after the next thing, like uh, the, the, whatever the market is talking about, then you never actually have a focus. And I would argue that you probably don't have a real strategy either, if you are always looking for the next big
0: thing. Yeah. Did you see like when you were with uh, with Claude, oh. did you see like collaboration with uh product marketing to come up with like determining whether or not you are ready to make those those shifts into new markets, or did that pretty much stay within the product management function?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh so far in my career, I haven't worked that closely with uh product marketing. Uh, yeah. but I do think I do see product marketing as this uh new specialization within marketing that's very important uh, because like uh, traditionally you have uh, some companies who have a uh, build a product and the marketing have to find a way to sell it. But uh, in the middle, there's never any communication. Uh, you know, the uh, I think so product marketer actually fill in this gap in terms of how should a, a product be communicate with the with the end user, like how should it be positioned? Uh, who are you going after? I think I think I think that's actually a pretty interesting role, and I do think it's needed.
0: So to kind of to kind of wrap things here, I'm curious from like a, a growth PM's perspective, if somebody is just getting into the space or wants to get into the space, what well, what are some of the mental shifts they might have to make as they're trying to transition from one specialization of product? Or, or just getting into product for the first time in, in that growth PM role?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, I think, first of all, they have to be uh, extremely uh, outcome and evidence driven uh, because I think most of growth PM would, would do a lot more like experimentation compared to like a core feature PM. And most of the things you do as the core, like a feature PM, Um, although you try your best to to kind of prove that something actually adds value to user, usually through like some qualitative methods, like user interview, focus group, uh, survey, whatever. But that connection is usually not that clear, right? Maybe you build something, but you can never pinpoint and say, uh, user love this feature, and our product, our company's revenue grow by 20% because of, I did this. But when you go going to uh, become a growth plan, you actually have to do a lot with more expectations, right? You have to do an A-B test, which exclude the kind of seasonality bias uh, or, or uh, and you can actually compare between your test and uh, control group to see, okay, which one performs better and you actually, uh, f- uh, make sure that result is statistically significant. Um, so I think that uh, going after more like evidence approach is what, and then the outcome-based approach is what a growth PM uh, like should have. And then I think this sometimes, some feature PM might not have uh, this particular mindset.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Cause I think from like a core PM's perspective, like, that there's there's a product strategy in place, and and you're trying to, you know, build core functionality that aligns back to the product strategy. And I'm curious how how product strategy or those decisions of what are we experimenting on and why, mm-hmm. like do you have do you have any like rules of thumb or heuristics around how you determine where you focus your efforts and experimentation? Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess another
1: misconception that uh, I don't I don't hear it as often these days, but I, I heard a lot, you know, two four years back when growth was still a fairly new thing. A lot of people are thinking growth as some kind of you do all these hacks to to push the metrics artificially, but that's actually really dumb. Uh, when You actually want to do whether you're doing growth or uh, conversion rate optimization, you everything you do have to start with uh, a good hypothesis. And that good hypothesis comes from good research. You still have to really understand your user. You have to form a really good strategy to begin with. Uh, And then you test uh, those strategies by by, transforming them into uh, testable uh, features or, or changes within your product and then you use the result to inform your strategy, it's almost like a, a feedback loop, right? And uh, I think that the best growth plan don't actually focus on an individual experiments uh, because a lot of times like you can have five winning experiment, each of them increase, say your, your metric by like 2%, but when you add them together, uh, maybe only increase like 3.5%. Uh, right? It doesn't always stack together, but a really good growth PM or any good PM for that matter, they would use what they learned during the experimentation to inform their product strategy. So, uh, they can continue to build great product, follow that strategy instead of just chasing that little individual short-term wins.
0: So I like that, that loop of, you know, you have product strategy and you're acting on product strategy but then you have research that leads to experiments or A/B tests, and, and what comes out of that research re-informs the product strategy, and maybe mm-hmm. causes you to reassess uh, what you're focused on. So I like that. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's how I would define how a growth
1: PM does discovery. Uh, I think the discovery, the term discovery itself, is a little bit misleading. Uh, a lot of people think discovery is all about Uh, understanding problem but actually it's also about understanding whether it's also validating the solutions as well you want to validate whether user uh, react to your solution the way you expect them to and if not why and then you kind of go through this uh, loop so it's
0: not just about understanding the problem itself yeah, it's it's definitely that good blend of like generative research of identifying problems and then evaluative research of uh, validating solutions. For mm-hmm. sure. Well, Austin, I appreciate you taking some time to to share from your experiences, man. I know the, the audience is glean great insights from it and I always do when I get to talk to you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Sean. That was Austin Yang, Senior Product Manager at Lambot. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and I hope you're enjoying season four as we dive deep into all the different facets of discovery. Thanks for joining me today but before you go make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't leave us a rating and review we'd love to hear from you we'd love to know how how you are, are learning from this podcast what you think about this podcast how we can make it better and if you have ideas for season five I'm trying to figure out what season five looks like. So if you have ideas or preferences or things you wanna learn about, let us know, cause that's what we're all about. Teaching lessons in product management so we can all get better at our craft.